attendees, if you're just joining us, just give us a second to let everyone log on and then we'll get started. All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our monthly thought leadership series. And today's session is sponsored by Modus Consumer Insights. So thanks to them for that. Um, we have a really awesome panel today on the topic of consumer facing technology trends. And um, yeah, make sure that you make use of this great panel. If you have any questions, please put them in the Q&A or, or chat function, and we uh, should have time to get to them at the end. Um, I'm going to have each of the panelists go around and introduce themselves and share a little bit about their facilities. So, Michelle, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Michelle Wong. I work with Active Wellness. Um, we're a fitness and management wellness company, and we run about 53 centers across the U.S. and in Canada. Um, our focus is on developing a medically integrated model um, in connection with healthcare. Awesome. Can you share a fun fact about yourself? Um, my fun fact for today is going to be that I have 140 pounds of dog, two uh, pit bulls, and why today in particular is it's the youngest birthday. He turns three today, and we are those crazy uh, dog owners that will be celebrating his birthday. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I love that. We all relate to um, loving our little pets just as, you know, members of the family. So that's awesome. Uh, Greg, what about you? <clears throat> Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Greg Sabura. I'm the Chief Technology Officer of Fitness Formula. And we have about uh, 10, locate, uh, 10 clubs in Chicago, in the suburbs and city. Um, I've been uh, with Fitness Formula over 20 years and um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, fun fact about me is I collect audio equipment. Maybe that's not fun for some people, but I don't know. <laughs> Gets me going. <laughs> All right. Very cool. <laughs> what about you, Brent? Hi, everybody. My name is uh, Brent Free. I'm the general manager of the Rochester Athletic Club in Rochester, Minnesota. We're a multi-purpose, one-location facility, um, 260,000 square feet. We have a pretty big footprint, lot, um, lots of tennis courts, um, family family oriented. We have a 35,000 square foot space just dedicated to seven to 12 year olds. Um, but my, I guess my, I don't know if it's fun. These guys had fun facts. I just have a, just a fact. I was, I grew up, I was in the tennis industry um, for many, many years before I became GM of this club. Uh, I was president of the UST Northern section at one point in time and um, taught tennis, coached tennis, lived and breathed tennis and now I kind of set that chapter behind me. Very cool. What are your thoughts on pickleball? Do you hate it or love it? Uh, I ruptured my Achilles tendon in January playing pickleball. So I don't have many good <laughs> okay. things to say about it at this moment in time. Okay. Understandable. <laughs> awesome. All right, Trey. Hi, I'm Trey McLean. I'm the chief revenue officer for BFIT and Gym and Fitness in Evansville, Indiana. 
we have four clubs uh, with uh, roughly 20,000 members or so. Um, and I've been in the fitness industry for going on 15 years now, uh, all with uh, this company. And just let's be apart. As far as fun fact goes, uh, I guess my fun fact for today would be that uh, I once called the police department asking if I could spend the night in jail, uh, but they wouldn't let me. So that's my fun fact. Okay. Well, you have to elaborate on that. Why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was, when I was in college, I was traveling with a group of friends, including uh, a young lady who had become my wife. Uh, and about half of us wanted to, uh, we went to Wales and we wanted to, uh, you know, half wanted to make reservations, half didn't. Uh, so we went with the the fly by the seat of the pants group and, and didn't make reservations. And our train landed uh, in the station at midnight. Uh, and when we got outside of the station, the whole town was shut down. There was nothing going on and there was no place to stay. Uh, and so we thought we'd go back into the train station, but they locked the doors behind us. Uh, so we literally had no place to stay. And I was like, well, let's call the police department and see if they've got an empty cell. Uh, and it'll make a great story of nothing else. And we called them and they said uh, we couldn't stay there, but they called one of the bed and breakfasts and got us a room for the night. So um, I didn't get to stay in jail, but I did get a sweet bed and breakfast out of it. That's awesome. Well, the police are very, sound very nice there. I don't know if that would happen here. <laughs> I guess you might not need to do that here though. So very yeah, cool. Hopefully not. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks guys. Yeah. So again, the topic is consumer facing technology trends. So I'm going to start by asking each of you to just share some examples of consumer facing technologies you've integrated and maybe just focus on some of the ones that have been successful. Um, maybe just share two or three examples. And then, um, yeah, Michelle, let's go ahead and start with you. Yeah. Uh, so one of our biggest ones has been a heart rate monitoring incorporated into what we call our zone training. It's an athletic inspired workout. Um, and then currently uh, developing and enhancing through some of our partnerships, our member facing app to pull all of that information and data and every piece of the member experience into the mobile app. Okay. Yeah. Um, how did you guys go about deciding that there's so many te consumer facing technologies nowadays? How do you go about deciding like which ones to invest in? Um, you know, a, a big piece for us of that exercise is how one will connect to another, right? Like we all know there's sort of this best in class in the industry with whatever you're looking at in terms of the, you know, different pieces of the member experience and, you know, do all the partners play nice in the sandbox? I mean, that's really a big piece of that decision because there's so many points where you can lose members through the experience if one piece doesn't talk to the other. And mm -hmm. so I think we try to start from, you know, externally on the member piece, what's going to make their experience best and then look at what we have to do on the back end to make it work. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Greg, what about you? <clears throat> um, I think uh, the best way to answer that is to just share how we were talking with a uh, app uh, company called Motion Vibe uh, pre-COVID, and we were talking about some plans. And um, you know, over the past couple of years, um, those plans accelerated, and um, we started working with Motion Vibe to develop our uh, app, in-house app, and integrating each part of the business into the app and uh, creating an experience ultimately for the member to 
be engaged uh, with the club, with the community um, at a level that we weren't able to uh, provide uh, pre-motion uh, vibe um, from virtual streaming, keeping in contact with uh, trainers and staff, um, uh, community updates, all sorts of um, uh, club offers, club events, club gatherings, um, and we just kept our foot on the gas um, with that app, and uh, it's proven to be uh, a real uh, winner for us. And we continue to develop with them, and we have a relationship where um, we they they want to actively know what we're facing and they want to provide solutions for it because it helps us it helps them it helps other people uh on the motion vibe app and so it's a great community of uh, people and developers that uh, we're we're thankful to be introduced to so that we can uh, take our member experience to the next level yeah um beyond motion vibe are there any other significant consumer facing technologies at ffc yeah, you know, we're anxious for the new Apple Watch update that's coming out uh, this fall. So many of our members have um, Apple Watches as uh, fitness people and um, heart rate, or I should say zone training is going to be available. And so we're looking to take advantage of that because of how the Apple Watch is becoming such a health and fitness conscious uh, device. The, the innovations are just coming more rapidly than other people or other companies can develop. And so um, that's big on our radar and uh, we have a lot of contacts in that community to keep our finger on the pulse with that. So that's gonna be a big one coming out soon for us. Okay, awesome. Trey, do you wanna share some of the significant consumer facing technologies at BFIT? Yeah, so like everybody, I think we've got an app. And I would say if you don't have an app, uh, you need to be calling somebody today and getting an app. Uh, you know, we just rolled out our newest iteration uh, in the last few months. Uh, and I would say from our members experience, uh, it's the best uh, experience that they've had with an app so far uh, because it plays well in the sandbox, as Michelle said, right? Um, it's integrated that it connects in with the wearables. It connects in, you know, uh, to the in-body machine. Uh, and so all those pieces playing together allows for a holistic experience for the member. Um, in the last few months, we've invested in bringing uh, in-body scales into all of our clubs uh, and making that, you know, a really big part of, especially the onboarding process, uh, giving people clear, you know, benchmarks for where they're at. Uh, as we, and then that allows us to have good conversation about where do they want to go uh, what's realistic and, and what do they need to achieve? And uh, not just questions about like losing pounds anymore, but now we're saying, you know, can you get your visceral scat fat level? Can we take that from an 11 or a 12 down to a, a seven, you know, and really decrease the risk for heart disease and, and a, a lot of other diseases that are connected to that visceral fat number. Um, you know, and then uh, in our Ignite studio, which you saw uh, in April, um, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, we're really leveraging the technology pieces there, you know, whether that's, um, you know, echelon equipment, you know, things that look like the Peloton or, or the mirror, uh, you know, using uh, those experiences um, in our new studio, our new club that's opening up, their Ignite studio 
uh, we're going to use some TechnoGem pieces, uh, but really using the, the high-level technology pieces uh, to sell to a top tier of our membership uh, and give them an incredible experience. Yeah. Very cool. Brant, what about at uh, Rochester Athletic Club? Yeah, I'll just piggyback real quick. Um, an app's an important piece of the puzzle nowadays. Um, you, you have to you have to have one almost uh, to to really give that full full experience to your members. So um, you know, and, and with COVID, I mean, it just it actually it actually made that part easier for us. Our personal experience with our app, and and we had thousands of people downloading it because we we really leveraged that during that time. Um, but I, I guess. We back in 2015, we renovated our locker rooms, um, and we made a we made a decision at that time that we were going to kind of dive into technology pretty deep with um, the locking and mechanism of our lockers. And 95% uh, of our members now choose a basically a silicone wristband as their membership card, and which which operates obviously the locker system, but it obviously checks members into the club. It, it's used at point of sale locations. It it's able to play nice with the, we have mostly pre-core um, with the Priva uh, software on it and, and members can log into the equipment using, using the band as well. Um, and then in February, uh, we invested in uh, basically personalized smart, smart weight training equipment called eGym. Um, you know, most, many people are probably familiar with it, um, but we, uh, we've had, we brought that equipment in in February, 12 pieces, and it's a circuit. And once again, this ties into to that. Uh, you have to be onboarded to that equipment by a trainer. Um, it, it, it knows who you are, it kind of acts like a, a mirror in, in some ways. It knows, it knows, gets to know you. It knows all your weight settings. It knows how to, how to adjust the seats for you. And uh, that's been really, really popular. Um, it it talks to it has an ecosystem that basically talks to the app. Um, we have a tile on our app that's that's eGym, and uh, that whole ecosystem ties together to with cardio equipment that talks to it. The in body um, talks to it when they're onboarded, and uh, it all comes together to 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 basically their their big. I guess lure is a bio age. You know, it, it, it takes four components to come up with your bio age and. Uh, members, we've we've onboarded probably close to two thousand members now since February on that equipment, and it's been really fun to watch and see how po it succeeded our expectations. But I don't know if that's where weight equipment's going to go in the future, and 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 it's all going to look that way in a 10, 12 years or or not. But um, it's it's been great. Eighty percent of the people, our members, you know, probably couldn't go out to the fitness floor and have a workout that probably is that makes sense but with a circuit that that's designed for them uh yeah it's pretty good so that's been pretty fun yeah yeah it does seem like um equipment in general is trending towards having more technology um integrations that at least guide the member in more of a way um so that they're not just like you said kind of going out onto the fitness floor and winging it, which I think, especially at a big box, bigger, larger clubs that can happen a little bit more frequently. So yeah, awesome. no, absolutely. And then, and the other key component of that is they have to be onboarded by a trainer to use it. So there's that 
connection um, with our staff and the member. And, you know, that's helped us sell training um, and, and really just develop that relationship, which has been really good. Yeah. I think that ties in a little bit to the Echelon equipment too, right, Trey? Um, for those that don't, maybe aren't, haven't seen it, could you describe a little bit of what that looks like and what the consumer experience is like when they're engaging with that te technology? Yeah, so the, the Echelon bikes uh, are very similar to, to Peloton, right? Uh, they've got the on-demand classes or uh, live classes that you can participate in. You create your own account. Uh, in our case, that will then link right into uh, that activity, will link right into the app as well. Um, same with the rower. Uh, again, it's either a live class uh, or a guided class. Um, I, and what we found is that, uh, personally for myself, you know, the, the bar to step into a cycle class uh, where you don't necessarily know what you're doing and you feel like I might stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, if I go in there and all of a sudden they're telling me to, you know, raise my gear or what, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, this has created a, a safe place for people to onboard into spin uh, or cycling. Uh, and then they also have, um, they call it the Echelon Reflect. Uh, it looks like the mirror uh, and it gives people an opportunity to do all kinds of classes, whether that's uh, yoga or Pilates or uh, a kettlebell class or a boxing class, uh, but it's that feedback immediately, um, you know, on how your body's moving uh, and you can see it compared to, to the instructor. I would say with both those pieces, though, uh, it does take that time to to sit there and, and just sort of explain it to the member the first time uh, to help them understand how they can leverage it, um, because there's a lot of opportunities. Um, but you might need a little bit of coaching. Like, you know, what's the difference on a spin class between a cadence ride and a, you know, a hills ride or, you know, just so that they have a little bit of the language and terminology that that may not be intuitive. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, I want to get um, your, each of yours feedback on just what consumers expect nowadays when it comes to technology at gyms. Um, obviously, the technology you provide can vary. But are, is there like a baseline expectation of what consumers expect nowadays from the clubs that they interact with? Um, and what does that exactly look like? So what are your thoughts on that, Michelle? Uh, so I think, you know, this goes back to connection. They expect things to be integrated and connected and easy to find. And then, um, you know, it, speed and, and ease of getting to things. What we've done is, you know, guests checking into our club, making it really easy, having a, a QR code they can scan where their guest waiver will pop up on their phone. And, you know, as many clicks or steps as we can take out and just make it easy connected. Um, I think that's that's just a, a standard expectation um, that we see. And in personalization is sort of that next step is, you know, messaging that relates to what they're interested, what their activities are. So not overwhelming, you know, members with lots of information, but information that is really personalized to, you know, what they're looking for, their goals, their experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, Consumers just have gotten used to technology being in all forms of interactions with any business, um, and they're definitely used to frictionless experiences. Mm -hmm. So the more that you as a gym can provide that, it sounds like that's the, be the best route to take. Yes. Yeah. Greg, what are your thoughts on that, on what consumers expect? You know, I think what we've seen, um, whether talking to members in the clubs or, or getting feedback uh, through uh, Medallia 
is that you know the members have apps of other um, brands or companies that the demographic of certain members you know um, suggest that they have. So I'll just use Starbucks as an example or other uh, apps similar to that, and they expect our app to be at that level. And um, uh, we're getting there, believe me. But, um, you know, Starbucks has, uh, and apps like Starbucks that, you know, uh, have um, significant resources behind it. But uh, members demand that the app function and feel and work and be integrated and have resources that uh, they expect to be similar. And so, uh, I don't blame them. I think that it's a great it's a great uh, goal to set for ourselves, um, and I think it says a lot about um, uh, where things are headed. Um, but uh, having a well functioning, well thought out uh, app that um, seamlessly integrates your members with the club and keeps in touch and creates some stickiness is uh, just more critical than ever. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where those partnerships with technology companies are so important. Because if you don't have the resources to create your own app from scratch, that's maybe on par with Starbucks. Um, that's where these tech partners can come in and help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brent, what are your thoughts on what consumers expect? Well, I, I think they, um, Michelle and Greg kind of hit it on the head. I think um, there is an expectation it might vary depending upon the price point of the club, what the expectation is. But if, if clubs do a good job and on the technology side of things, I think it's I, th- I think it has to drive retention. I know I'm I'm not necessarily tech savvy. I'm not necessarily tech um, illiterate either. And I don't love to change. I wouldn't love to change phones, for example. I like the, the type of phone I have and, and ch- changing clubs when you have technology in the right form for, for your members, I think, I think just, just has to be, it's an important piece, right? Because if you, if a member goes to another club and tries it and they don't do it as well as your club did, they'll be back. Mm -hmm. If they do it better, they'll be, they won't be back. I mean, it's, it's, there is an expectation there. Yeah. Trey, anything you'd like to add? The only piece that I would say from our experience is it's it's actually starting before their members, right? And so for us, uh, we found that now 35 to 40% of our new members, our new joins are coming through the online portal, right? And so creating an easy, attractive uh, join page uh, that members can get a sense for what they're getting with the membership uh, has been really important for us, especially coming out of COVID. you know, there's people weren't scheduling, you know, to come in and uh, to do a tour of the facility, right? But if they could do something online uh, and then sign up online, uh, you know, we're still seeing that play forward, uh, you know, two years later that our online joins are are higher than they've ever been. Uh, you know, and then once they're members, you know, the app is, I mean, it's non-negotiable. You've got to have it. Uh, it's got to be integrated. Uh, and you got to be versed in how to leverage that. Because uh, when you do, I think Brent's right, it really increases retention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mentioned online joins, and I'm curious if any of you have experimented experimented with letting members also cancel online. Um, have any of you guys done that? And what has been the result or impact? 
I, I know that. Yeah, we, we've cre created a web form where people can go online and fill that out to freeze or to, or to cancel. Um, you know, it's just getting back to, you know, what others have said. It's trying to be frictionless, right? Uh, and I know some states require it. If you let them sign up online, they've got to be able to cancel online. Uh, that's not the case here in Indiana. But um, in the end, we believe that if we're providing a great experience for our members uh, beginning to end, uh, that they're more likely to rejoin, you know. And so we're finding even, you know, with our members who cancel, uh, you know, they're still giving us really high scores relatively, you know, for people who are leaving. Uh, when Medalia reaches out and says, you know, our friends at MXM asked them as they cancel, you know, what's your experience with BeFit like? Um, it's very positive and the ease of cancellation is one of those things they're asking. Uh, and we're getting great feedback about how well that, that goes. Yeah. Well, that's great to know. Um, awesome. Well, you guys have hit on quite a few consumer facing technologies, um, but I'm curious about implementation. So like when you are introducing a new technology to um, consumers, how do you properly or onboard them and your staff? So um, let's start with you, Michelle. Yeah, so we run, uh, you know, locations that no two look alike. So usually it's depending on where we're trying to go with it first. Is it a small corporate site or a commercial? You know, we'll pick one as the pilot. And then the really key thing with anything we do is you have to have a champion in the club. You have to have somebody who believes in it, who's going to hold the members' hands when they get stuck and who's really going to drive it forward. So, you know, we always try to figure out, you know, where can, because we're a management company, where do we have a tolerance with a partner to adopt something new? Where do they want to be, you know, first to try? Where do we have that champion? And then, um, you know, letting our members know what we're doing, why we're bringing it to them that, you know, bear with us if there's, you know, hiccup and being really responsive to it. Um, so for us, it's kind of, you know, test first, learnings, iterate, you know, move it forward and, and then move it to scale. Yeah. And then it's important to have your staff on board with it as well, right? Where they can answer questions and because you'll definitely get questions. Yeah. I mean, and, and we use our, our, you know, we, I love the term, you know, Google pointed or whatever, like eat your own dog food. Like we really believe in launching to our staffers, letting them try it, kick the tires, build those champions. And so we love to pilot with our employees first, whether it be, you know, something we're doing in wellness or, you know, you know, an IOT device, whatever it is, um, we're usually giving them to a group of, of team members out there first and then saying, okay, here's where next we're going into these, you know, couple of sites with it. Yeah. Great idea. Brent, what are your thoughts on implementation? Yeah, Michelle, I mean, that was a pretty good answer. We, we, if we have a specific thing we're looking for, like the year we did locker renovations, we, we, we tried to bring out the, the people that uh, to Ursa to the trade show to look at all of that was a sort of our focus. Um, we try to bring the right people um, that are going to be part of that solution in, internally. I mean, you have to have staff buy-in and we, we include them in the decision-making on should we even bring this product? What do you think of it? Should we bring this product in and um, take a deeper dive? But it starts there. It starts with staff buy-in. It starts with then you define the champion, um, as Michelle said. And um, so much of it is on the front end before it ever reaches the members. And then once you have that, the staff rallying around this and believing in whatever you're, you're your product is that you're going to launch. 
the launching is also a separate whole piece in the marketing behind that and how you how you're going to do that and the planning that goes behind it but but yeah i would i would say the staff side is pretty pretty vital they don't yeah. believe in it there's no reason to even buy it yeah any insight on marketing it to the members that next step yeah um i mean we with with eGym, we we did a lot of teasers. Uh, eGym has a has obviously some resources, but we we decided internally we're just going to throw out little teasers on social media that didn't give really a full picture of, of what this stuff was, um, and uh, and that 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 generated a lot of interest. Um, so that's how we chose to do it. I think we were about a month or six weeks out when we started to do the teasers, um, and. Uh, and then when we when we launched it, uh, anybody that was working with a trainer um, got to uh, be onboarded in the first few days before any we take regular onboardings. Just it it helped the trainers, um, you know, learn to onboard the members uh, by doing it that way, and they had those relationships already built with those members. So that was a that was good for us. But you know, depends it depends what your product is. Uh, an yeah. app is a complete and and communicating to different members is all, you know, you're communicating to your senior members is completely different than communicating to your 20 year olds. So it's, it's, it's a challenge sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, what about you, Greg, any other advice on implementing a consumer facing technology? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to piggyback on what Michelle said, I think it's critical to have a champion that can't be uh, understated enough um, but I think the one thing I would add to that is we, when we introduce new technologies, um, we always want to make sure that we don't have to ever take it away from the member, not in case it fails, for example, but more of if we go a different direction because of certain uh, different factors, it's more of we just have an internal code of not removing things from the membership. And so that's a critical piece. I know it's the most difficult because, you know, how could you see into the future, but uh, we give that a lot of thought before rolling it out. Yeah. No, I do think that's a good point. Um, I don't think any tech integration should be taken lightly because as you mentioned, people hate change. So if you've introduced something to the membership and they've come to love it, regardless of whether there's a better solution out there, they're not necessarily going to care. Um, so yeah, I do think that's a great point. Trey, anything you'd add on this one? No, I, I would really be interested to hear from Greg just some, how do you make that decision on what, what you're going to bring in that's not going to change because <laughs> tech changes so quickly, <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you make that decision? Yeah, it's tough you, uh, with a lot of data. And uh, I think to further explain that is what, when we make a decision, we have certain metrics that that we've been tracking up to that point to uh, know that um, we, we're doing the right thing. And I think it's, we try to get as many data points as we can to ensure that we don't have to take it away. I know it's not ultimately so helpful, but it's the best I can offer for now. <laughs> Can you share maybe some of the data that you look at? Like, is it just like trends, usage reports, some stuff in your CMS? Yeah, we we have a we have a sophisticated uh, in-house uh, 
um, data uh, automation warehouse system that makes it really easy to pick out certain data points, automate it, and get it to the person that needs it on a daily, weekly, hourly basis. And so having that in place uh, helps us really fuel our decision-making uh, process because we've taken a lot of the weight, uh, a lot of the time out of getting access to uh, data for the decision makers, uh, for people from running their own department to running their own club, uh, to running, um, uh, you know, uh, entire sales divisions. And so we um, we keep going all in on that as it helps us navigate these choppy waters. And so it, it, it really is just um, data-driven, I guess is the best way to put it. I think the answer is you need Greg, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I don't know if I can afford Greg. It sounds like he's uh, he's smarter than our you can. No, I'm just Neither <laughs> am I. Just kidding. I mean, uh, I, I agree that looking at data is really important. I mean, we've made a lot of major decisions for our company based upon the feedback we're getting from like Medallia, for instance. Uh, you know, we lowered our price point uh, five years ago uh, based upon the feedback we were getting from, from them then. Uh, we've conducted major locker room renovations in the last uh, year at two of our four facilities um, based upon that feedback. And so I think you're right, looking at data helps inform your decision-making and it probably applies not only to, you know, things like locker rooms, it also applies to, you know, technology pieces. What are the members saying uh, that they're looking for or what are the pieces that they're missing uh, and how can you leverage that? So that makes total sense. I have an interesting story to piggyback off Trey. So many, many years ago when we had, I mean, we've had Medallia since about 2013 and early on we were getting a lot of feedback on we need more equipment and we have hundred pieces of cardio equipment and our, the way we did things um, prior to, to the change we made um, was we would, we would have a, you know, X number of dollars in a budget and we'd just look at, whatever cardio equipment we needed that year, whatever was best in that year. And we would bring in a few pieces of that equipment. Well, what we really learned that the members wanted through that feedback was they, they wanted the same interface or the same type of, you know, the, if we had a matrix treadmill and a, a Star Trek treadmill um, and somebody like the Star Trek versus somebody like the matrix, we ended up, making a decision after going to Ursa one year where we, we, we chose a brand, um, one particular brand, and we, we went with that. And uh, we haven't had a complaint about not having enough equipment since, and we have the same amount of pieces of equipment. It's just that they're, they can find the same exact treadmill that is available to everybody, same interface. Anyway, wow. It's sort of interesting. Yeah, consumers are weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's crazy. That just uh, that simple change could have such an impact on their um, experience. Well, the people who are experts on the member experience, right, are members, right? Uh, they're the ones that know what they want. And so the more we listen to them and uh, are attuned to what their desires are, uh, the more effective we're going to be at leading our clubs and creating experiences that are sticky and that people don't want to leave. 
Yeah, for sure. The, the only thing I would add there is sometimes the members don't know what they don't know. So we, it's, you know, you do member mm -hmm. surveys, you take feedback, but sometimes they don't know what the possibility is. So uh, much like Brent, we've, we've implemented, you know, a couple different of these, you know, highly technology driven circuits, um, EGIM being one of them. We put in a primarily uh, senior facility at the end of last year and our seniors were up in arms. I don't want anything with technology. I don't want anything with the screen. I don't want you to take all my old equipment and they love it and they come in daily and they are so happy. But had we just said, do you want it? They, they would have all said no. Yeah. So I think there, there's always that fine balance of you need to listen to your members, but you also need to recognize sometimes they don't know what they could have. Um, and that's where you, every once in a while you have to take those risks. And the only change we had to make is we couldn't fit enough pieces to give them, you know, a leg press and cost wise with what the partner was willing to spend. So we, we bring in one piece that we took away, which was an old piece. And if we ever get the chance, we'll, we'll switch it out for the, you know, the high tech version. Um, so that's the only thing I was add is sometimes don't be afraid to take those risks because you can elevate the experience in a way that they don't even expect. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Um, all right. Well, another question that I'm curious about, or curious about is I've noticed a common theme with a lot of these technologies, whether it's wearables or heart rate trackers or even in body is that they give feedback to the member. Um, so do you guys feel like that's an overarching trend that members are seeking feedback and, and wanting some sort of guidance through technology? Um, Greg, let's start with you. Oh, I was hoping I'd go last on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we so, can circle back to you if you want. No, you know, um, I think if I'm answering the, the question correctly, I think the important um, distinction to note here is that members Technology has given us more insights into our performance and our personal bodies and our health uh, than ever before. Mm -hmm. You know, it's up to uh, the club, the in-club professionals to help the members understand what uh, data that they're receiving, whether it's from uh, our in-house um, supported products or external um, and showing the members how to utilize that uh, information to better themselves, no matter what they're looking to accomplish, whether it's getting on a uh, organ donor list or just looking good for a uh, anniversary uh, type uh, event. I think uh, there's all sorts of ways uh, to uh, accommodate the member, but um, it's just, it's, it's varied and uh, it's only getting larger and it's only going to become more and more data points are going to be coming our way from all sorts of different devices even as soon as next year and uh, into the near future it's just um, using them in-house uh, getting to know it helping the members understand it i think that's a role that the club can play it'll also create some stickiness with the members so that we can be the thought leaders um for uh those devices as well. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, for sure. Brent, what are your thoughts? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you feel like um, consumers are more and more interested in getting feedback from technology? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some definitely are joining with maybe that in mind, but I don't think most people that join the club probably 
they ha- they may have their goal, they may have their reason for joining the club, but I don't think they're thinking, I can't wait to do an in-body so I get to see, you know, all my measurements and all the data that it's giving me. Um, you know, we, so I, I feel like there's some, yes, but it, it, it goes back to what Michelle said. Some, most people, they don't know what they don't know. They're, they're Trey and Michelle, a little bit ago, they, they both, they were a little bit on opposite ends of the spectrum, but they're both right. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of up to, to the staff and, and to, to, to Greg's point to really show what there is. And is there a really good system in place in your club to do that. Um, we've had an in-body for, I don't know, nine, eight, nine years. And um, now that it's tied to the gym onboarding, it's never been used more. And yeah. it's the, the barriers have been kind of broken down. I mean, we could set that thing out on our fitness floor and say free in-bodies. And I don't know how many people would have went to use it because they just probably wouldn't have known what it, what it means. So you have to have your staff be the experts and guide the process and, and then show why the data is important um, to, to the majority of your members. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe a better question is, um, are there specific demographics that are leaning more towards wanting feedback from technology? Because you're right. Um, you know, that's going to depend on where you're located and, and your member base. So I don't know if, um, you know, younger generations are kind of more hip to that. Um, or, and obviously people who are super active um, are, but yeah, Michelle, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, I think it goes back to like, you know, personalization and the member onboarding and stages of change. Like I'm going to want data in something that I'm ready to make changes in or that I'm interested Mm -hmm. in. And I may not want the data in something that I'm just not ready to tackle. I may not want the in-body because I don't want to know that number, but I may be interested to see, you know, you know, how, how many zone matches I can get in a zone class or, you know, how, how many calories at the end of the class I'm going to burn because that's motivating to me. So I think it's understanding that not everybody's going to want the same thing and knowing what, what their goal is and why they're there is, is really key. Yeah, for sure. Trey, what do you, anything you'd like to add on this one? I think the, the key is, is what Michelle's saying is it's customized, right? And so it's, it's really being personal with what you're doing with the fitness stuff, you know, with all the tech pieces. Um, there's a, what we found is that there's uh, thousands of pieces that you can bring into your clubs, right? Um, but what matters to any one individual is what they're really interested in, right? And, uh, and when you get into technology, there's so many pieces of information. There's so many uh, data points that are living in our warehouses and our systems, Um you know, but finding the key things that are really driving uh, success for your members that are really helping them achieve their goals uh, and trying to leverage those um, are, are really important. You know, we had an embody at one of our clubs for, you're right, Grant, like eight years. Um, you know, we, but we got intentional about how we were deploying it. Uh, and not only now do we use it with every single new member onboarding, but it's also driven, you know, people upgrading their memberships to a, a different tier so that they can get unlimited embodies, uh, you know, and it's become that technology piece has become a, a part of a, a revenue generating system for us as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, another thing I want to talk a, a little bit about is just obviously each of these technologies, there's multiple companies that you can choose to work with. How do you go about deciding um, who is a great partner? 
um, what should you consider whether, whether when it comes to customer service or anything else? Um, yeah, just kind of help people make that, go through that decision-making process and deciding who to partner with. Brent, let's start with you. Well, you hundred percent customer service, but when you're, when you're vetting vendors, you're, you're probably trying to figure that out uh, in your initial reactions and your demos that you're, you're, you're taking. Um, obviously reputation, if you, if you know the business and you know the reputation that they, they have uh, leaning on other people, other, other clubs, maybe round table groups, calling, calling peers in, in the industry. Uh, that stuff is uh, pretty important too, but um, yeah, it's vital if you're going to be going on a, a trip down a, a road, you haven't been introducing a whole tech platform or tech equipment or whatever it is that that you kind of know what you're getting getting into yeah michelle what are your thoughts yeah um you know i think about what greg said earlier of not changing and i don't think we look at that so much in terms of not changing out technologies but i think about where can you layer on and where can you connect um and one of the things that i'd always ask is you know let me see your roadmap where where do you think you're going and how much do your customers get to have input into that roadmap so, you know, what we found is sometimes the bigger partners, you're going to have very little opportunity for that. And sometimes smaller ones that are in that development, you may be able to steer that in a, in a meaningful way that's going to impact your business. So, you know, I'm always looking for that opportunity as well. And, and are these people I want to hang out with and go get a drink? You know, that doesn't hurt either, right? Like, so you can... <laughs> You, you can be a, an influencer in a social way. Um, so I think layering on and, and being able to connect, um, you know, the various technologies is a big important piece for us. Yeah, makes sense. Greg, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Michelle took a lot of what I was going to say, but that's good. I think, um, I think the first thing I would suggest is um, using the term partner instead of vendor. Um, we're, you know, in the hospitality space. And I think, Customer service is a huge component of that. The partner that we select has to understand that and has to be forefront of their, uh, you know, um, mission and vision. And I think it's easy to tell which companies in the industry promote that and which ones don't. And um, I, 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 you know, even what Michelle said, which ones would you want to, you know, go out? after work with. I think that that's really important because obviously I know it's a tongue in cheek, but I think these are the people that when you're thrown a certain curveball, they're going to be able to not only want to help you, want to make you to succeed, but understand that if you do, then they will succeed. It's setting up that really important relationship. Like I mentioned earlier with uh, uh, Motion Vibe, for example, that's their thing, so to speak. So they understand with all the curveballs over the past couple of years, they've been there. They've wanted us to succeed so that then they can succeed. Uh, and it, it's just an environment and a relationship that uh, is important to understand the difference between partners and vendors that uh, I think needs to be discussed uh, more. It's a great question. Yeah. Don't enter, enter into a relationship maybe lightly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trey, anything to add? I think Michelle alluded to something earlier that I think is really important if you can do it. And that's, uh, you know, she, she said that sometimes they'll roll it out, uh, a new piece of technology, and 
one or two places before they go system wide with it. And that ability to do what Jim Collins said, you know, uh, firing bullets before you fire uh, cannonballs uh, is really important to figure out what works because uh, not everything works. And so uh, you may not want to make an investment, you know, across your system with a, a technology trend um, without knowing that it actually works in your space. Uh, you know, but if you can try it out in a, in a place, uh, I think that that's invaluable. If you can't do that, then do what Brent said and, and call people that you trust in the industry, uh, get referrals, uh, you know, about that piece and how it's working uh, in, in another club somewhere. And then in the end, it is relationships. And you've got to have people who uh, will care about you, people who will be there, uh, you know, five, 10 years down the line, uh, you know, instead of somebody who is uh, constantly switching company, company, company. Uh, but, you know, can you find somebody who's uh, really invested in making their partner succeed, uh, you know, and providing a, a good quality product? Uh, and if, if you find that, uh, you're going to be in such a much better place. Yeah, great point. Um, all right, well, we only have about 10 minutes left, so I, we just have time for a couple more questions. I do want to focus a little bit more on mobile apps, because I know that's something that most um, organizations offer their membership and like Trey said, if you don't have one, it's definitely something to consider. Um, what are the main features that a mobile app should offer, or maybe ones that you have found have been the most the most beneficial to the membership? Trey, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, it's got to connect back into the to the main database, right? I mean, it's got to be that integration has got to be as tight as can be because when that breaks down, or if that breaks down, uh, it's sunk, right? And so. Uh, I mean, members are going to want to check in through it. They're going to want to see uh, session balances. Uh, they're going to want to be able to look at transaction history. Um, you know, if you can gamify the experience, you know, and so when they're earning points for their activity, um, you know, our newest app allows uh, a training client to interact with their trainer right through uh, the app, uh, even down to allowing them to do virtual sessions if they can't be there. Um, that's huge. Um, in our space, Booking group exercise classes, uh, checking into group exercise classes is a, another, uh, you know, that's one of the top things that we, when we track and look at the, the clicks on the, in the app, how people are engaging through the app, uh, group exercise is a big part of that. Uh, and so those are all some of the key pieces that we found that we've got to have when we're looking at that. Yeah. Okay. Brent, what about you? Yeah, trade. I mean, trade said most of them, um, all those things are important. Flexibility, uh, being able to um, add, I mean, technology and change is going to be inevitable, right? So there's going to be something else next year and something else after that. And, and being able to make sure that app plays together with whatever those things are, um, mm -hmm. it's pretty important. The, you know, the communication, the, 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 the groups, uh, the social piece of the app is, is important. Um, and, and being able to communicate with segmented groups of, of your larger whole um, is, is important. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, most apps kind of that are out there that are competing for um, your partnership is uh, do all those things. So it's just trying to figure out what's, what's best for you and, and what pieces that uh, you need for your operation. Yeah. Michelle, anything you'd add to this one? No, I think, I mean, I really think these guys covered it all. Um, you know, for us, it's just, 
we're not a technology company, right? Finding the best partner that's going to have all those features. And then where, where we have our own content, how can we deliver that and layer that on in a way that, you know, feels personal to that community of club, right? We're in 12, 14 states. So how are we connecting in, you know, if it's uh, training programs that are coming from our staff or we've built through COVID a very extensive virtual library of classes, how do our members get to that library and search and, be able to connect into their favorite yoga instructor. So yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Greg, anything you'd like to add? I think everyone covered it, but um, I think what I would add is the ability for the app to um, roll with whatever your business needs are in a relatively easy fashion, which is not easy to do, but I think uh, incredibly uh, important before we were with our current uh, provider, you know, app updates were maybe quarterly. Now we're down to weekly because we, we want to run this new program and roll it out to the members. We want to have this new feature. Members were asking for this. Let's just do it. Let, you know, it's really changed our internal uh, communication and, and strategy strategy for certain programs, because we have the ability to, be front and center with the members so quickly. Um, but what everyone else said is very important. Check-in, group X, account features. These types of functionalities are more table stakes. I would just add the ability to grow with you rapidly is important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the pandemic kind of highlighted the importance of flexibility too. I mean, who would have known that uh, making reservations, being able to do that would have become so important whereas previously that was maybe something that no one cared about at all mm -hmm. so yeah you have to be have that flexibility all right well i'm gonna have uh, each of you go around and just kind of share a final piece of advice on consumer facing technologies maybe it's just you know a trend we didn't hit on or anything else that you think club operators should keep in mind when it comes to this topic um, michelle let's start with you so I think for uh, what I think of is the challenges we're facing today with staffing and, you know, as we hire, you know, at looking at staff and what do they use and how interested they are, they are and how, you know, sort of, you know, technology savvy are they? Because um, what we need is really a great blend of folks that are, you know, love and want to be with people and our customers who are focused, but understand, you know, how to learn and adapt and pick up technologies quickly because the quicker our staff learns it, adapts it, becomes, you know, the champion of it, the easier it is going to be to launch it to members. So I think, um, you know, I, I'm always interested when I interview folks, like what do they use? What do they love? How do they, how does technology fit in their lives? Yeah. Great advice. Trey, what are your parting words? Um, find partners that are invested in making you, you succeed, right. Uh, that care about you, that care about, uh, working to develop your team and develop uh, your service that you're providing to your members. And if you find good partners, uh, that'll go a long way uh, to being successful with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Greg, what are your parting words? Trey literally said what I was going to say. So I will just modify <laughs> my parting words to, um, to say it, it, a lot of the uh, partners that we select start with a recommendation from a peer. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of uh, industry um, technology peers 
that are in my shoes at various club companies around the country, around the world. And uh, their, their recommendation and experience hold a tremendous amount of weight with me. And so I always start with them. I think it's a great industry and I think uh, there's a lot of great people in it. And, um, and uh, it's not like that everywhere. And I just think that starting with the, friendly recommendation is critical to selecting that technology partner because it doesn't matter if they have the greatest technology, if they're going to act like a vendor and be fly by night, it's, it doesn't matter. Oh, that's great advice, Craig. Um, I do have found that over the years of interviewing everyone in the industry that there aren't a lot of gatekeepers um, when it comes to just information. Everyone's very open and willing to share their experiences. So I do think that's very significant piece of advice. Just ask. Yeah. Most people are willing to tell you what they think. All right, Brent, go ahead and land the plane for us. Land the plane. Um, <laughs> I would just say it starts with embracing technology. There might be a person or two on this webinar that maybe is a little bit scared of, of it because there's so many options, right? There's so many things that you can you can get into a freeze mode if you're not careful um but but i would say embrace it uh most club operators do we've been forced to change is inevitable um research your options through however methods you can do that so you're you're a savvy consumer and and i guess make sure it's the right fit for your club just because you call up here their club may be different than yours right and what works for them may not may not work for you so um, it's just got to keep that in mind, but, but those peers are, are a super valuable resource. And then at the end of the day, if your gut tells you it's a good investment, then trust it because it probably is. Yeah. Awesome. Great advice, everyone. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close us out. We don't have any follow-up questions from the audience. So, um, thanks again to our amazing panelists for sharing their insights. Attendees, thank you for tuning in and everyone have a, a big star sponsor. On Modus Consumer Insights as well. And everyone have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.